Good morning. Hello. Do I press and hold? Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Okay. I can't hear myself, so that's probably a good thing. Um, so thank you, Eric, and it is a, a joy and a privilege as well for us to have shared friendship over the last, um, it would have been 2004? Five, was it? Okay. Um, so his first year at Trinity was, was my last year. Um, and this, yeah, he's right. We did accost him and we forced him to go out to eat. And um, anyway, the rest is history and we're, we're happy for it as well. Um, I will say one thing in case you were disappointed that I don't have an Australian accent. Um, you're going to have to talk to my wife for that. She is from Australia. And Australians usually aren't this formal to, um, you know, have a coat while preaching. I'm just cold. So um, your, your springtime is colder than, than where we're living winter. So um, I've gotten used to being a little bit warmer than I am now. So good on you guys for, um, you know, bearing with it. Um, so anyway, uh, levity aside, let's, let's take a moment to bow before our King and our Lord and pray and entrust this time to Him. Father God, thank you so much for your goodness and grace. Thank you that out of your love and compassion and kindness and grace that you have, you have called out to us and you have brought us to yourself. You have brought us into fellowship with one another and you are aligning us with your character and your purpose in the world. And so towards that end, may your spirit be pleased to um, both empower uh, me to speak your word clearly um, and truthfully, as well as all of our ears, to, to hear what you would have to say to us this morning. May you open up our hearts um, to love you all the more. In Jesus' name and for his sake, in our lives we pray. Amen. All right, so is this thing... Okay, so um, this... This sermon, which I'm, I'm calling Upside Down, it's really like a, um, a big picture overview sermon uh, of something that I want to work on for the next couple of years. So fortunately for you, I won't be here for a couple of years to work that through with you. But in a sense, um, it's a big picture sermon, a big picture message, an overview, if you will, at, at 20,000 feet from up in the airplane, up, up in the airplane overview of, of what it means um, to be a part of the kingdom of God. And so there's a, there's a few different reasons why I'm calling it upside down. Um, one is, is found in um, the passage, Acts 17 and verse 6. And this is people complaining that the, the changes that were coming about because of the proclamation that Jesus is Lord in their town, I think it was when the, the idol makers were losing their business because people were turning away from that which was making them money through the sale of idols to the living God, and they complained about the they complained about the church, saying this: "These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also." Um, oftentimes, the um, the kingdom of God and, and some of the the Bible scholars that I've I've been listening to uh, of as of late um, refer to God's kingdom as the upside down kingdom because the values and the reality in the kingdom of God are just so contrary to, to the reality of the world that we live in that, it, that the kingdom is referred to as upside down. Um, I prefer to sort of look at, it, look at it this way and that the kingdom of God is really, uh, my fonts didn't really work out there, but anyway, um, the kingdom of God is about living right side up in an upside down world. Um, so if, 
we'll see how that goes. Um, so getting into this, um, what I'd like to share to you this morning is that to Jesus, in a part of his preaching and ministry, he saw something as very, very significant and important in using the phrase, the kingdom of God. And so let's, let's just highlight a couple of these passages. Um, one, and it really goes through all four Gospels, he says at least, well, he says many things significant, um, but in the beginning parts of the passages, like in Matthew 4, 12 through, through 17, it says this, When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light, and on, on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, so that's, that's basically just setting the scene. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, turn, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And that's sort of Matthew's, Matthew's phraseology there, using the, the terminology kingdom of heaven instead of king and, kingdom of God. But they're, they're mostly synonymous there. And Mark, he says much, much the same thing. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And Luke, and this is shortly after um, we see that passage where Jesus wrote, reads from the scroll of Isaiah and about the spirit of the Lord being upon him to proclaim freedom to the captives. He has a little bit of trouble in his hometown, but but people are approaching him and saying, stick around, stay with us for a little bit longer. And the passage continues like this. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. And in John, there's a couple of, of um, key passages as well where Nathaniel declares to him after just meeting him and um, Jesus said, you know, he saw him underneath the fig tree before he approached. And, and because of this simple little um, affirmation of what he could foresee, Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus, and this is um, a little bit further down the track, um, to use the Australian phrase, um, that um, when Jesus was having a conversation with Nicodemus, he says to him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born, of, born again. So obviously this topic of kingdom of God was something that was very important to Jesus and to the gospel writers. But before we continue any further, I just want to ask a simple question. What is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? Um, I, I suppose I like simplicity, so I like simple answers. And so thinking about, well, what does, what does it mean, like what are earthly kingdoms? Um, and if you think about it that way, although we've, we as humanity around the world have in large part moved away from using terminology of king and kingdom and queens and things like that, um, 
in, in some places they're, they're, they're essentially figureheads, but the business of government is, is handled by other places. But in places like Thailand, there is a king who's very much respected and honored. Um, and there are kings and queens and kingdoms around the world. And in a sense, you know, in thinking about what a king or a queen and their kingdom, or, or queendom, I suppose, um, would be is, is very simple. It's just the realm which they have authority the realm in which that they rule over as king or queen. And so in the same way, I just prefer a simple definition when we're talking about the kingdom of God, is the realm in which um, God's perfect will is done. The realm in which God is truly king. The realm in which he rules. And of course that, that could open up a lot of questions about where he rules and heaven and earth and things along those lines and, and we'll move towards praying um, as Jesus taught us to pray this morning. Um, but as we, as we talk about the, the realm in which where God reigns, the big, the big point, the big picture that I'd like to, to communicate and for us to grapple with this morning is, is simply this, um, that God's perfect reign is complete in the person of Jesus. So as a response to that, let's let him rule in our lives. That God's perfect reign, or we could say that God's complete reign is perfect in Jesus. Let's let him rule in our lives. Um, and as we move on and as we take this big picture overview of scripture, I want to stop and have a pop quiz. And this is one where I really want you to respond. Eric's not allowed to reply though because he already knows this one. Um, so the question is this, what Bible passage or story is the first one in all of scripture that uses king-type language. So it could be king, rule, reign. My children aren't allowed to answer because they've already heard this sermon. Um, kinging or something of the like. So I'll give you an example as just a very simple way I want you to answer the question. I'll give you a wrong answer. Um, so a wrong answer would be, um, it's when the people of Israel demanded a king from the prophet Samuel. And God said, they have not rejected you from They've rejected me God speaking here, not me. Um, they have not rejected you. So, an answer like that, just a simple Bible passage. Um, where was the first place the kinging or kingdom or rule or reign or something along those lines was used? That's correct. The ma um, so, in the, and we, we will read the passage, but, but I would just want to call that here and Unfortunately for you, I didn't bring a chocolate. Um, I did that the first time I do it. I, I got everybody engaged by bribing. Um, <laughs> I know it's, it's a really bad thing. So, um, so the first, the first, you know, the first sub point or the first part of the outline here is that God's surprising plan. God has a surprising plan for ruling the world, and and the passage was already pointed out, and and we'll turn to to read that. It's in Genesis 1:26 through 28. And if, you, if you're flipping along, uh, feel free to do so as I read. Then, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Sorry, I forgot to press the button. Rule over the fish in the sea 
and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. The one key thing that I want to point out here in this passage is that this idea of humanity or mankind ruling and giving authority to rule over the earth is in is meant to be and is in harmony in this passage with what it means to be image bearers of God. So um, some Bible scholars have have focused on the term image of God in a few different ways, and I'll just read a, a couple of, of passages um, about that. So Bible scholars find three main meanings for the term or the phrase image of God. Historically, the term was used in the ancient Near East, and this is, of course, the context in which this passage would have been written, to refer to a king as the visible representation or visible representative of the deity. Thus, kings ruled on behalf of the God. Since verse 26 links the image of God with the exercise, with the exercise of dominion over all the other creatures of these seas, heavens and earth, one can see that humanity is endowed here with authority to rule the earth, and this is the key, as God's representatives or vice regents. There's other scholars seeing the pattern of male and female have concluded that humanity expresses God's image and relationship, particularly in well-functioning human community, both in marriage and in the wider society. And then another traditional meaning would be that the image has been seen as the capacities that set man apart from the other animals, ways in which humans resemble God, and these characteristics are such as reason, morality, language, a capacity for relationships, that are governed by love and commitment and creativity in all forms. So um, to quote our, our other friends who accosted um, Pastor Eric um, when, when, we, when we first met, that it's not, it doesn't always have to be an either-or type of a situation, but it can be uh, a sort of option D, all of the above. Um, and that's, that's where I lean towards a little bit more. So I believe that those who teach that um, all of these meanings work together, understand the passage best. In other words, people created with characteristics of reason, morality, language, a capacity for re relationship, and for love and creativity of all forms are entrusted with the responsibility to govern the world as God would and in partnership with God. And, and that's the key there really of this endowment of authority given to us as humanity is that we're, we're supposed to, to govern the world in, in partnership with God and as God would. And so in, in some ways I think that I've heard Christians and, and people say before, well, basically this gives us permission to do whatever we want to do with creation and to exploit it and all these other things. But it has to keep in character or the, the original plan, the plan A, is, if you were, is for that to happen in harmony with God and his character and how he would do it as image bearers. So the surprising plan, the God's surprising plan for ruling the world, despite the fact that he's just spoken and created everything, and is clearly the one in charge, is to entrust to us, humans, um, a partnership of ruling over the world with him and together with him. So it's that we have a partnership. We've been created for partnership and relationship with God to care for his creation and to, to have dominion over his creation. When we get this, I think we would marvel with the, with the psalmist um, 
and I forgot to write down which psalm it was, but anyway. Um, the psalmist said, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them, you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. But moving on from understanding God's surprising plan for ruling the world, it, we have to stop to understand what went wrong. I think we're all fairly familiar with the Genesis 3 passage in the, in the fall story that says about the, the serpent or the snake, that the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, um, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit that is in the from the sorry you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will certainly not die, the snake said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And and the sad irony is here um, first that we, we um, more perfectly so in Adam and Eve were already created in God's image we are already like God and, and yet the serpent in this passage is, is deceiving and sowing seeds of doubt about the goodness of God and that he was withholding something from us and, and again some of the Bible scholars that I've been reading they like to call themselves Bible nerds um, Pope focus on this part about knowing good and evil as, and what they, what they say is happening in this dynamic here is that the temptation to because the, the function that we're created for, the role that we're created for is still, still present and the temptation and the one that we unfortunately fell for in the people of Adam and Eve was that we decided to do it on our own terms, that we would judge what's right and wrong without reference to God, that we, in a sense, wanted to become like God and being independent from Him, judging and ruling in our own, in our own way. Um, and, and other of these folks that I've been um, listening to a lot have, have talked about the fact that when we do that, we actually give up the God-given authority that we've been given to the powers of darkness. And that's, that's why we see so many problems around us in the world as we do today and why we've come to the place that, that Pastor Eric has already prayed through this morning, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So I'd like to sort of illustrate how sometimes I think we might look at, at this phrase, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, would you have at one point in time translated the word that we usually call sin? Um, it it's used to be used in a terminology about missing the mark, um, sort of, and so you can think of like archery, and I'm just going to come down on your guys' level a little bit here so I can illustrate something. And that, that archery, you know, we're thinking about missing the mark as being able to aim for the target. And so, so I'm shooting at the, so if I think sort of behavior orientation of what it means to sin or not sin, you know, so my target's the clock, and I'm, I'm going right from the, you know, the bullseye of the clock would be, you know, the target, the target of getting everything right. And then, well, you know, that kind of offended me by saying or doing something. So I might want to sort of point <laughs> my, my arrow towards him instead of, you know, on target to, 
towards, you know, what I'm supposed to be aiming at. But then I remember, you know, oh, thou shalt not murder. Okay, that's right. I'm going to come back on target. Um, and that, so we, we could work through the, 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 the commandments and things along those lines and think, I just need to, I just need to do it well. I need to count my breathing. And, you know, there might be hunters in the room that are familiar with sort of those type of shooting things, which I'll have to confess that I'm not. Um, only I've seen it on movies. So anyway, um, you know, but instead of thinking about our relationship to God and what we can do and not do and how well we can do it, what if the target isn't, you know, on the back wall? What if the target, what if the goal, what if the thing that God is calling us for is actually up here, and that's the reason why I moved down, is, is actually more of what we're talking about in Genesis 1 passage to partner with him, reflecting his, his beauty to all of creation. That the target and the goal that God calls us to is a full and free relationship with him to, to partner with all of creation to worship him as our father, to trust him fully, to have full, free fellowship with him because of his goodness and love, and to build our lives not out of a... a, a not out of a... Um, you know, trying to get it right, but putting ourselves in the right place in relationship to God and who He is as Lord and Lord of our lives. When I've been doing, because of our journey and missions and things along those lines, have, have studied a fair bit of what it means you know, to cross cultures and, and take journeys. And one of the, one of, and one of the um, models of what it means to, to express what it means to be either American or Australian or Filipino or whatever the case may be, puts at the center of who we are as humans a place of ultimate allegiance, a place where there is a Lord over our lives. Um, and quite frankly, in, in places in the Western uh, world, the, the world tells us, you are the Lord of your own life. You are you are the center of everything. You know, we use language along the lines of, you know, well, what's happening in your world? Or this is happening in my world. And if you think about that, that, that just puts me or the self and, and the throne of what it means to rule my own life. And, and God is saying to us, and God has said, that's, that's actually not your place. And so the target then is coming to a place of trust in the Lord um, and building our lives out of that beautiful foundation and the reality of who God is. And that's what we were originally created for. And in doing so, we, we not only worship him as God, but we also reflect his beauty to one another and our fellowship and our love for one another and, and to the rest of creation. We reflect, his, we reflect the beauty and the character of who God is um, back to him in worship, to one another and fellowship and also to the rest of the world and calling for the same obedience from them. So we're, we're talking a little bit about understanding what's wrong. Sin is missing the mark, being off target. And again, that target being a life lived in full and free fellowship with God. It's also missing what we were created for. And that is a full and abundant life in partnership with God, administering his goodness and love throughout the entire creation. So we know we've got it wrong. Um, nevertheless, it's quite interesting to, to, to note here that the Lord does not give up on his good plan. 
which is on the bottom of my slide, but not yours. So sorry about that. We should have done some font checking before we started. And, and one passage that I'd like to point out is just from the, the book of Exodus, that, that, that you see what God is doing through the people of Israel is calling them back to this original plan. And it, he, puts, he says it like this. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So it's, I find it pretty fascinating here that God is calling the people of Israel in this passage to that, to that co-ruling relationship with him, to, to demonstrate God's character to all the nations that were around. So although that we failed on our end of the bargain, God continues on with his plan. And that's to start out to, to make himself known and to reveal his character through the people of Israel. And yet, as we know, if we, if we know the story of how that all unfolded, that the people of Israel um, missed the mark as well. They didn't, they didn't co-rule with God in the same way that Adam and Eve didn't co-rule with God. And they ended up, just like Adam and Eve did, in exile. And it was only because of God's goodness and grace that he, again, brought them to himself. So as we turn the corner from understanding way, the way things are meant to be, the way things are, we thankfully come to the person of Jesus. And, and we see in him God's perfect reign as complete in Jesus. First, I'd like to point out by just um, looking at the temptation narrative that Jesus focused, that to point out that he didn't miss the mark. And so if you remember back from the Genesis 3 passage, the, the Satan and the accuser gives, the, or the serpent in that, that passage, says, here, I want to give you something that you already have, um, if only, you, if only you listen to me. And it's basically the same temptation narrative that he does with, with um, the Lord Jesus here. The devil led him up, that is the devil led Jesus up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. Um, it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. So in a sense, the Lord, as we've, we've sung about this morning, that he was already in all authority over all the heavens and the earth in his pre-incarnate form. And, um, and here, you know, the devil is trying to tempt him by giving him what is really already rightfully his, but saying, only if you worship me. And of course we know that Jesus didn't miss the mark. He didn't, he didn't fall away from his target. He lived his life in full and complete partnership and obedience with God the Father and he said Jesus answered it is written worship the Lord your God and serve him only so Jesus didn't miss the mark and I love some of the ways that we could talk about hundreds and hundreds of Bible verses that talk about how he is God's image bearer and he is our true king and he perfectly completed the, the, the purpose for which that God had sent him um, just move on to the book book of Hebrews I think says it really lovely it says in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways 
But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word, and he has provided purification for sins. After he had provided purification for sins, he had sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And you see that the king language that is oozing out of this passage. Um, he's sitting at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. And, and how that perfectly aligns with him being the representation of God, the perfect image bearer of who God the Father is. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. He sustains all things by his powerful word. And in this way, Jesus is God's image, is, is exalted in, in, in a way that, that Adam and Eve, uh, I mean, this is Adam and Eve's original image bearing and our original image bearing is just a reflection of the perfection out of which that Jesus is, God per, is God's perfect representative and, and image. Um, one other thing I'd like to point out about Jesus and how he, he spoke about his own rule is that his reign is not from the world, but it is for the world. And, and so that's a distinction that he points out um, with the person of Pilate. And did you hear the difference that in this, that Jesus doesn't expand his kingdom in the same way that worldly powers expand their kingdom? He has this conversation with Pilate. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus asked, Is that your own idea, or did others talk to you about me? Pilate says, Am I a Jew? Your own, pe your own people and chief priest handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders but now my kingdom is from another place. Although his kingdom here is very clearly not of this world, it doesn't mean that it's not for the world. And as we move through the passages, passages of Scripture and as we take, continue this, this big picture overview of what it means to be living in the kingdom of God, we turn to the, to the next and last section of my message for this morning. Um, oh, sorry. I got ahead of myself there. This is still the, the end of the, first, the other bit. So he restores all of us to God's good purpose. And that is seen um, so that Jesus, in bringing his kingdom in and through us, restores us to God's good purpose. And this, this is how Peter puts it, um, which is exactly how Moses put it. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a, a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful life. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That in this big picture overview that we're taking, that we see that in the, in the thread of this tapestry, that God has had a plan to partner with us in administering his goodness and love throughout all the creation. And, and we missed it. We missed the mark. We thought we could do it on our own. Um, and he called out the people of Israel to continue that plan to ultimately, through the person of Jesus, reveal himself to every nation and 
and he continues to lay that mantle upon us who trust in the Lord Jesus as to be co-partners with the Lord here and administering his goodness and love and to reflect his beauty to all nations. And it's something that, that starts, ends, and continues with faith. And I think as we, we wrap up the message for this morning, um, that we should that we, we pray together um, in the way that Jesus taught us to. That that we pray, Your kingdom be done, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray together, your your kingdom come, your will be done on, in my life, just as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my family, in my work situation, in our church community. May you have your perfect rule and reign in all of our lives. And I invite us to pray, pray that now. Um, and in doing so, that we... Um, we again reflect how we're meant to God's beauty to, to all nations around us. So, so please let me pray for a moment and then I'll, I'll transition to the ministry update. Father, we do um, stop and we confess that, that you are indeed God, that you have um, full right and authority to reign in our lives. And we confess and we, we, we admit that, that we have... Um, all too often tried to take that reign out of your hands and rule, rule our own lives for ourselves, for our own purposes, and for what we think is our own benefit. And, and we confess that in doing so that we miss the mark, that we, we miss out on the fullness of, of, of fellowship and, and, and a loving relationship with you. We thank you, though, that you have sent Jesus, that he has borne um, the penalty and the consequences of our failures and that in doing so that we can again stand with you um, in full free fellowship with you and that we would pray that your spirit would be pleased to to help us to worship you all the more that your spirit would be pleased to help us love one another as you have loved us and that your spirit would also be pleased to help us demonstrate your love and your beauty to the nations for the sake of Jesus in whose name we pray Amen Please join us then for the benediction. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Have a wonderful week. <coughs>